1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman.
2: Adam Wainwright joins us. I'm in the Atlanta airport right now, and I don't know why this is, but I'm looking at the TV right now, and there's a picture of me, Yadi, and Albert on it. I'm cool right now. That
3: means it's our show.
2: (laughs) What do you mean? Why is that?
3: because you're talking about them on our show.
4: You know what? I think that's it. I think that's true. I think that's it, Adam. (laughs)
3: That clip will never get old for me. <laughs> that that clip will never get old of Adam Wainwright on our show not realizing the reason he was on TV is because he was on our show.
5: Because we're on TV.
3: On ESPNU each and every day. Here on ESPN Radio, presented but, by Progressive Insurance.
5: To be fair, when yes. I reached out to get him on the show, I said ESPN Radio, and he knows me from the radio in St. Louis, so I don't think he made the connection that we're actually on TV.
3: Oh, no, I know he didn't <laughs> make the connection, by the way, on that one. Uh, a couple of uh, quick updates here. Adam Schefter is going to join us in a couple of minutes, get the latest on the franchise, tag, some of the movement going on in the NFL. So uh, Nuno and Pat have looked up the cost to climb Mount Everest because Pat says he's over Mount Everest. It's $55,000 to climb Mount Everest. That's outrageous. I don't even understand. Why would that be so much money to climb a mountain? What am I missing on this? Does anyone know the reasoning behind that kind of
2: cost? You know, Everest, man.
4: Well, first of all, how how many people in the world can guide you up Mount Everest?
2: I don't know. Apparently a lot. The The lines
4: are out the door. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm saying a lot of people can go. I don't know that there are a lot of people that can help you climb a mountain. Like I'm just saying, it's a select, it's a very niche thing to be able to do. Like I'm I'm an experienced mountain climber that can take you up the tallest mountain in the world. I, I, I can't imagine there's a lot of them, and so they're probably going to charge a premium in order to do it. Well,
0: there's a bunch of different ones. I'm just looking at like if you... Like, if you climb on the south side, it might be a little bit cheaper than the north side. <laughs> a Why is the south side always cheaper than the north
4: side? Why is that the case? Why the- is
0: the south side always and- the cheapest and- side? And- and- can't see, like, there's different tour, uh, tour guide companies, so, like, I don't know, if someone's like, yo, I can get you up there for for half the price, like, are you really trusting that guy? <laughs> yeah, totally.
3: Good point. Wait, I just noticed something about CeCe. Did you do an outfit change today? No, what are you talking about? I thought I saw you. Am I making? I thought I saw you in a giant shirt earlier. Now I see you in a different shirt. I need to start doing this. I want to do outfit changes throughout the show. I think is what I'm going to do now.
4: Change out one had, hoodie for another shirt ever. on the entire show.
3: I'm losing it. I'm officially I think it was losing it.
0: Pre-show, there was a giant. Shirt, okay, a shirt I, I
3: may be losing it then. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm literally losing my mind. Yeah, but maybe different hoodies for every segment. Smalls, what do you think? Oh boy. But yes, the
4: different. Different. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the discount mountain climber. Yeah, exactly. No, That's what I I'm saying. There's
5: certain. Things you save money on, I yeah. think having a mountain climber up Everest.
4: I don't need the groupie uh, for for climbing Mount Everest. I, I just I <laughs>
3: you got a two for one <laughs> Everest.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm straight. I'm straight.
3: And then why is Kiliman- So Kilimanjaro is much less two to six thousand. That's what the pricing is on that. Yeah, I wonder why it's less. I wonder if theres any there's got to be people out there at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, that have climbed Mount Everest, Everest and Mount Kilimanjaro, right? We have to have somebody out there that probably did that, that can give us more information on yeah, this.
5: Yeah, and I want to hear about the cost and if it was worth it.
4: They got too much people with too much damn money, though. $55,000 to There's climb no a mountain? Way.
5: There's no way. I Come would on, ever consider that. You know how many beach vacations I could go on for $55,000? Exactly. exactly. You know how many margaritas a, I could pay for? That's a lot of boat 000.
0: trips.
3: How, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What's the most amount of money you would pay for, like, the greatest life experience like that?
5: But what is the greatest life experience?
3: What is the greatest life experience? I don't know. It's it to each his or her own, right? Like, I'm saying, whatever your dream is of, like, oh, I'd love to do this, Right. Like, my Mm. wife always talks about, like, she wants to go to Greece. I don't know that I'd pay $55,000 to go to Greece. Like, if you tell me it's five to 10, That still feels like an insane amount of money to to go on vacation, but if it's a once in a lifetime, I guess.
5: So I really want to take my dad to the Masters. I don't know how much that would cost, but if I had the capital to do it, I'd spend the money.
4: I don't think it'll be $55,000 though, Smalls, to go to the Masters. Yeah, no. I don't think so either. (laughs) Smalls, you know
3: the job you have right now, right? You can make that happen.
5: (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. Not yet. Maybe one day.
3: I think you just made that happen. I think literally somebody will reach out to you after the show and you'll get passes for the Masters and you'll have to pay for your dad's flight
5: that would be a dream come true I would lo- it's literally number two on my bucket list behind getting an Italian sub named after myself is to take my dad to the masters it's number two on my bucket list
2: you got weird goals <laughs> <laughs>
5: well what's number one on your bucket list
2: climb Mount Everest <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, Cece, you've been everywhere, I think. You've been a lot of places. Mm. Is there like what's the max amount? Would you pay that uh, fifty five is so ridiculous. That is so expensive. Like five a lot of money, five man. to ten, does that feel like if you're gonna splurge, you're gonna go crazy to go on a vacation, like five to ten? I would maybe? say I
4: would say probably around, you know, fifteen twenty when you include the flight. Okay. Like that makes that makes sense. Like I like to travel, I like to be in, in plush accommodations, but I mean, fifty five thousand is just outrageous.
2: And like then that's to do just, work.
4: That's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, like, and
5: then to climb, yeah, to exercise. Yeah, like,
4: <laughs> like that's that's wild to me. Like I, I'm I'm my wife and I are actively planning a trip to Japan to see the cherry blossoms. Like we yes. wanted we wanted to do that, and that trip is not even going to be half of what climbing Mount Everest <laughs> would cost. And, like it's just crazy to me to think that somebody would pay fifty five thousand dollars yes. to 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 camp out with tents at a base camp and then climb a mountain. That's wild to me. Insane.
5: To punish yourself. Yeah. You're literally, I mean, the, the reward is obviously great once you reach the top, once you reach yeah. the summit, but the process is punishment.
4: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, I'll let them go ahead and do that. I'm going I'm to be drinking sake and having sushi. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> exactly. <that>. Enjoy.
5: <laughs> enjoy. All
3: right. Each and every week, Adam Schefter joins us. Sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp makes it easy to match with a licensed therapist. Get 10% off of your first month of online therapy at B-E-T-T-E-R R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Well, we couldn't get Dylan Schefter, Nickelodeon's reporter on, so we settle for her dad instead on uh, <laughs> Franchise Tag Day today, where it all begins. Adam, tell us what to expect today in terms of the Franchise Tag period in the NFL.
6: Well, my guess is good morning, and first of all, my daughter would be much better entertained entertainment than I would be, <laughs> but I would say in relation to Franchise Tags, It moved very slow. The teams have until two weeks from today, March 5th. And teams usually aren't rushing to put franchise tags on players because players typically don't like it. They don't want to tag. So it's not like they're trying to insult them out of the gate. At least they make attempts to try to get a deal done uh, before they tag them. So, uh, again, even though today is officially the start of it, it's unusual to get any, if many, tags early in the process though there certainly are any number of candidates this year to get the tag i just don't think you'll see a lot of it right out of the gate because players don't like that and teams are aware of that
4: shefty there are several teams that have multiple players that be, be worthy of the franchise tag yeah and yet- each team yeah. can only use the tag once. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking back to the situation last year with the New York Giants, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. This year, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs with Chris Jones, LeJarrius Sneed. You've got the Tampa Bay Bucks with Mike Evans and Antoine Winfield Jr. With those right. two situations, respectively, how do those clubs handle those contract negotiations and the franchise tag?
6: Well, I, I think when we look to Chris Jones, first of all, um, because of his cap number this year, his franchise tag would be $32 million instead of the regular nineteen point seven. So to me, that makes the cost of a, a franchise tag for Chris Jones as important and as valuable as he is, prohibitive and unlikely. And that leaves Lejarius Need as, to me, the likelier tag candidate in Kansas City. Uh, in relation to Tampa, you've got Mike Evans, which, again— because of his franchise, his his number this past year, uh, his franchise tag number would be twenty eight point four. Again, uh, a little high. Certainly, you could justify it for a wide receiver, but I, they're not going to tag Mike Evans. He's not getting tagged in Tampa, so he is taken out of the mix there, and that leaves Antoine Winfield Jr. and Baker Mayfield. Now, I know people say, "Well, the cost of a tag for Baker Mayfield is thirty six million. They wouldn't do that." I. I don't know about that. Like, let's see where negotiations go. Ideally, you want to get a deal done with Baker and have it done in advance. And it shouldn't be a hard deal to do, but I don't believe the two sides are particularly close at this point in time. And let's just say two weeks from now, they still weren't close. Do you tag Antoine Winfield Jr. or do you tag Baker? Plus, you could try to sign Antoine Winfield Jr. now. But Antoine Winfield Jr. knows that, okay, well, Baker's out there. Mike Evans is out there. Like there's this game of chess that goes on uh, and nobody really wants to tag, but Tampa's got, I would say two candidates. I I don't consider Mike Evans a a viable, realistic tag candidate, despite how good and productive he's been. He's a hall of famer, but but at this point where he's at with the numbers involved, I, I don't think he's getting tagged.
5: Adam, speaking of quarterbacks and their future, what can you tell us about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings?
6: Well, they can't tag him uh, mm-hmm. due to his contract. Uh, he is scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent next month, uh, uh, about one month from now. And I, I think in his perfect world, he'd like to be back in Minnesota. Um, and I think the Vikings would like to bring him back. The question is, and this is what these next few weeks will be for, really, is is there a team out there that's willing to pay more than the Vikings are that gets him to leave Minnesota where, where I think he likes to be and where he'd like to want to be. Uh, but his, the job of his agent is to kind of ascertain what the market would be. Well, let's just say hypothetically, I'm making this up, Minnesota's willing to pay Kirk Cousins $45 million a year. And the Atlanta Falcons are willing to pay Kirk Cousins $50 million a year. And you're Kirk Cousins. What do you, how do you want to handle that? That's your decision, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the job of his agent is to report back to him in the weeks to come, say, okay, Kirk, here's the landscape that you can't be tagged. It looks like as high as Minnesota is willing to go is this. Uh, I think there might be another team or two that's willing to get to this. What do you want to do? And there's your decision, whatever he wants to go with.
3: We're talking with ESPN senior NFL insider, Adam Schefter, host of the Adam Schefter podcast, of course, brought to us by BetterHelp, betterhelp.com slash Adam. Adam, which statement is closer to being true? There's a really big market for Justin Fields or there's a really small market for Russell Wilson? Uh,
6: I, I don't know that we can answer either one just yet. Um, first of all, we don't know if Denver officially is moving on from Russell Wilson when they're moving on from him, I think obviously teams are aware of the fact that that's a distinct possibility. And I think most people believe that will be the case, but they're not there yet. And he's got on the fifth day of the league year, which is, you know, mid to later March, uh, $37 million of his money for next year becomes guaranteed. So, so, you know, you may not see Russell Wilson's name out there for you know another few weeks, I think teams probably anticipate the idea that it'll be out there. Um, And I I would just say that there might be some interest, but it's not going to be at the level that teams once were interested in Russell Wilson. Justin Fields, that would come with compensation. And, And what team is willing to give up what it would take if, if, if the Bears are, in fact, willing to move on. I know he's not following the Bears on social media anymore <laughs> at very 2024, you know, exactly. read into that whatever you want. Sometimes it means something. Sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it's just a way of a player poking a team. I don't know really what to make of that in the end. I don't think it means a whole lot. You know, again, Russell Wilson, you're probably going to be able to sign without any compensation to Denver. Justin Fields, you probably have to compensate the Bears, probably – rather handsomely. So what do you want to do if you're a team out there that needs a quarterback? And by the way, there are teams out there that need quarterbacks, but we know or we expect and believe that the three teams at the top of the draft, uh, they're going to fill their quarterback needs right off the bat in the draft. So we're talking about Chicago and Washington and New England. And so then what other teams are out there? And that's where now you start doing a dance and musical chairs between Minnesota and Atlanta and maybe Pittsburgh, and you know Denver then would be in the market as well. So there are other teams out there. And by the way, there are also going to be other quarterbacks that go in the first round, like potentially J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix. So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and this is what the offseason is all about.
4: Shefty, we know that teams use the franchise tag as a placeholder to negotiate a long-term deal, but sometimes teams tag players, they can't come to agreement, they end up trading players. I'm thinking about what happened to Devontae Adams back in 2022. Curious Uh to know from your perspective, is there a name, an impending free agent with a team where that could potentially play itself out?
6: Well, I I think when we look at the list of uh, players who could be tagged, I I think Cincinnati would like to hold on to T Higgins and not trade him. And I think that they feel like that there's enough space there to get that done. And we'll see if that is true. Uh, we know that Jalen Johnson, the Bears, great cornerback, has wanted to be traded, but Chicago seems determined to get a deal done with him. Uh, Michael Pittman could fall into that category as well. Uh, we'll see how that one shakes out with the Colts and his free agent status. Um, Josh Allen in Jacksonville. Jacksonville's wants to keep him. You know, Brian Burns is the one I think that that's interesting because teams have tried to trade for him in the past, and the Panthers haven't budged on that. But the price has gone way up, and now does somebody get it done? But the problem there is that the Panthers. I don't think. I don't think they're going to get back what they were once offered for Brian Burns. The Rams Mm. once offered double once. Um. Do we think that some team out there is going to give up two ones for Brian Burns this offseason? I, I would guess not. So can Carolina justify trading him now when it didn't trade him uh, when his value was at its peak? And, and again, uh, these are the questions that each of the teams are going to have to answer, and these are the answers that are going to surface here in the weeks to come. Chris, were you a franchise? You, you were you were tagged once, weren't you?
4: Uh, no, first round tender, not tagged. First
6: round tender, okay. Never tagged. Okay, well there you go. Adam, great stuff well, maybe, as Oh, may, sorry, go may, ahead. May, may, maybe ESPN Radio is going to tag Chris. We <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, boy. Adam Schefter, tremendous job as always. We appreciate the help. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. All right. Adam Schefter's appearance is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp makes it easy to match with a licensed therapist. Get 10% off your first month of online therapy at dot com slash Adam. CC has been franchised tagged, ladies and gentlemen. Per Schefter, ESPN Radio has franchised Chris Candy. We're on Like on ESPN Radio.
0: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two.
3: Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at lq.com.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. A
3: lot of interesting stuff from Schefter there. I thought one little slip in comment that was really interesting. The idea of the Bucks franchising Baker Mayfields?
4: No. 36 million in a one year? (laughs) No shot. No
3: shot. No that, shot. that was interesting to me. No that shot. was re- I, I'm not saying, and he wasn't reporting that could happen. He's saying that could happen if that's where they, if they worked out the deals with other guys, etc. But Baker Mayfield getting that much money, I mean, that's he's gonna a lot
4: get- of coin for Baker Mayfield, dog. That's I've, a lot I've of money. I've seen
3: stuff out there. What like three for seventy five for him? If he resurrects himself to get that kind of deal,
5: he was resurgent last year. Yeah,
3: I mean, give him credit. Give him credit. Yeah,
4: I mean, think about it. If the Bucks offer Baker Mayfield three for hundred, can Baker Mayfield really say no?
3: Uh, no. say no he should sign that twice if he could
4: but, 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 but that's what i'm saying like he can't so why would you need to franchise tag him then if if the franchise tag number is 36 million why would you need to tag baker mayfield if the average annual value on the contract that you're going to give him is less than that no i and, and no but i don't think anybody's arguing
3: that i think he was just presenting like the options and it, it just hit me like wow baker mayfield's gonna get a lot of money this off season like from whoever it is he's gonna get significant money which is just remarkable. All right. A lot of people want to weigh in on the fact that it costs $55,000 per Pat Costello, our producer, to climb Mount Everest. And we want to hear from people that maybe have done this before because none of us are understanding how anyone could pay that much money to just get that kind of workout. To right? camp
5: on a mountain. Yeah. I mean, every
3: <laughs> everything that we're saying involves us lying down and doing nothing. Like, right. We'd pay a lot of money to sit there, go back to the breakers on Palm Beach Island, and sit there and do nothing. General in West Virginia, listening on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's up, General? Good morning. How are you guys? General? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. We've established that. What do you got for us?
6: Yep, yeah, so as a former professional climber, I've known a couple of my friends who've done Everest, and it's really epic. For somebody who's going to pay 55 k They're going to hire a guide, and there's going to be a whole bunch of Sherpas doing all the work, setting up all the camps, bringing Mm. all the food, the water, the oxygen. And they're basically just hauling, you know, you're doing it yourself, but you're completely escorted. And there's really no chance that you're going to make it. There's no guarantee, and you might die along the way. Boy, So that's really why they're charging so much money.
3: What what, What does a professional climber mean exactly?
6: Yes, so I earned a living for about 15 years through sponsorships, competitions, guiding, teaching, and helping to grow the sport of rock
5: climbing. Wow.
3: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the phone call. That's interesting.
4: So you get to pay $55,000 for the people that are transporting this stuff up the mountain that you're going to need along your journey. I guess that makes sense. Because you may die. Because you may die. You're you're paying for the manpower. Yeah, because you may die, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh,
3: Teacher Jim in South Carolina listening on SiriusXM80. What's up, Jim?
2: Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, First off, Evan, um, I got to let you know, man, I followed you from your last show. It took me about a week and a half to figure out I wanted to follow you, not stay there. And uh, I don't know what it is about calling in. You always put me on after one of the uh, hymns commercials. Uh, Has my wife been talking to you? (laughs)
4: Oh god! <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> <She's a kid. laughs>
3: Well, thank you for supporting our show. I don't know that we had any idea that we did that, but um, no, I don't believe your wife has been talking to
7: me—at
3: <laughs> least not to my knowledge. <laughs> wow. wow! Wow! Okay. All right. Okay. Anyth- anyway, what, were you, what did you want to get into on the climbing?
2: All right. The biggest, the biggest part of that fifty-five thousand dollar cost goes to the government. It's about 30 to 35,000 you have to pay just to get permission because so many people were going to climb and like uh, the general just said many of them go to climb and die and get left on the mountain. Mm. So rather than have a bunch of random people climbing the mountain and dying on their mountain, uh they the government makes you pay a huge upfront fee just to prohibit the casual climber from going to die.
3: Okay, here's what, and thank you for the phone call and the support. I do appreciate it, and we appreciate it. Here's what we've learned, ladies and gentlemen. Pat's right. Why would anyone do this? Why in the world would anyone do this? To accomplish something great. There's other accomplishments you could have in life. Joey Chestnut doing a hot dog eating contest makes more sense than this. That is a greater accomplishment by a lot. What are we doing I mean, What are
2: you even accomplishing when everyone else has already done it?
3: I don't think
4: everybody well, else yeah, has done it. yeah, not everybody else. It's happened a million Clearly, times. everybody else hasn't done it because it costs so much in order to do it. Yeah, have you seen the lines? Clearly, it's not everybody else.
5: Do you know what this reminds me of? You know how they, they put those things on cigarettes to stop you from smoking? They're like, want you to look at these photos. The yeah, like a big warning. Yeah. The, the fee to climb Everest feels like a warning. Yeah, like, it feels you, like they're putting why? this sticker on this being like, are you
3: sure you want to do this?
2: I know we're late, but we were just debating this. Is climbing Mount Everest a sport?
3: Uh, you, uh, here's what I would—I don't—I'm not going to answer that. I just want to point out Nuno yelling at Pat for it. asking us that question <laughs> yes. right uh, he's now. He's on the
2: phone with someone. Oh, all right. Well,
5: oh, I heard uh, him in the background.
3: <laughs> uh, it, yeah. No, it's psychotic, is what it is. We're on Sportsmanlike like on ESPN Radio. <laughs>
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: In the early 2000s into the mid to late 2000s, I was living in Palm Beach County, Florida, and I was lucky enough to see our next guest play, high school, college, one of the great players... Suncoast, Riviera Beach, University of Miami, and he's now a Hall of Famer, and he joins us now. Devin Hester joining us here on Unsportsmanlike alone, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. The best return man of all time is now a Hall of Famer. Do you feel vindicated in some ways? It's been too long for you to get in. Do you feel vindicated that your career has now been justified the way that it should be, Devin?
8: Yes, I'm, I'm very overwhelmed. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, when you think about players... And you think about what they had to go through, uh, you know what I mean, their situation, and then to make it to the Hall of Fame. Um, when we look at it, Hall of Fame is pretty much like the last trophy you can get at the highest level of football. And, and to, to achieve that award is, is just a great honor for a football player.
4: Devin, a lot of people didn't know how to define you throughout the course of your career. Now you're going to be remembered as a Hall of Famer, and that is the most elite club anybody that ever put on pads and cleats could ever be a part of. I'm curious to know from your perspective, what is the part of your journey to Canton that stands out the most in your mind?
2: Um,
8: like you say, uh, you know, growing up
4: and um, playing multiple
8: positions, um, I felt like I was in a situation where I was so good at, at both sides of the ball it was so hard to keep me on one side of the ball. And it kind of just stuck with me all the way from part one to professional football in the NFL. And so um, to sit here to say, you know what I mean, it was just a hard choice to play the offense, the defense, and now to just be known as the, the best special team player, um, the number one kickoff in the world is just it's overwhelming. And, then, and, and at the end of the day, you know, you try to question the you know what I mean? Trying to be locked in a position and wondering why you can't... But you know what I mean? Sometimes God had his own plan and, and his plan really worked out for me the, the number one position at, at kickoff and part return. And so I'm grateful to, to take that honor.
5: Devin, one of my favorite things about the Hall of Fame is seeing the reaction from you guys when you get word that you are finally getting the call. Take us into your emotions when you heard those words, welcome to the Hall of Fame.
8: Uh, those words right there just... What you just said is just is only three hundred and seventy-eight people was able to hear that in their lifetime. Fans, when it comes to the National Football League, and for me to be one of them three hundred and seventy-eight players, that alone speed highly for itself.
3: We're talking with Hall of Famer Devin Hester here on Sportsman Like on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Devin, do you feel like now that you're in? the door has been open for other great special teamers to get in at some point?
8: Most definitely. I feel like, you know, um, the biggest holdup was uh, pretty much the, the, the best return of all time to get in first. And now that I, I feel like it will open up doors for the other guys that was in the situation that I was in, you know, was known as a special team player in a, in a great role. a great role, had a great role on special teams. And now, you know, with me getting in as a returner, it will open a door for not only the returners, but other guys that would just focus on mainly special teams.
4: Devin, I want to ask you about one of your former teams, the Chicago Bears. They have the first overall pick, and that is the first of two top ten picks in this year's upcoming draft. Uh, There's also the question around what the Chicago Bears could potentially do with Justin Fields. I'm curious to know, from the quarterback standpoint, what do you think the Bears should do moving forward?
8: My personal opinion, and I talk to a lot of guys that's up there, I say we go ahead and, and draft more pass and then get an O-lineman a in the and keep Justin Fields. And then go on a free agent and get a, a, a running back like Saquon Boyd or someone like that that I still feel like has um enough for the take or you go out and try to get the guy from Oakland.
5: Devin, what is it about Justin Fields and what you've seen from him that leads you to think that the Chicago Bears should hang on to him and build around him rather than drafting another quarterback?
8: Uh he has I feel like he has the tangibles of uh what you've seen this past week in the of a Patrick Mahomes or a um Lamar Jackson, he has the the similar the similarities. You know, uh, he he's with his foot with, with running the ball. You know what I mean? He's not a pocket passer. And if you he doesn't feel that you that fits him, don't try to come in as offensive coordinator and say playbook and this is how we gonna run it. Like those are the, the offensive coordinators that just they're stuck in the ways, and it's not good for the team. Normally, when you find Great offensive coordinator. They're young, they young-minded. They're keeping up with the trend, uh, with the new plays, the new and and utilizing their offensive players. So, what type of offensive players they have? You don't go in the, in the offense with a mindset of, um, like I say, you you, you this is my play, but You go in the offense with a mindset of saying I'm I'm a, I'm a dissect the players, see what type of team I have, and that's the type of offense we're gonna run. Well,
3: Devin, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Very warranted beyond belief. It's ridiculous that you didn't get in the first time around, but you got in, so who cares? i got to stop focusing on the negative here. Devin Hester, congratulations, (laughs) Hall of Famer. We appreciate your time.
8: I appreciate you guys for having me.
3: All right, there he is, Devin Hester, of course, most known for his time with the Chicago Bears, also Atlanta and Baltimore, and it drove me nuts that he wasn't in because I never understood the idea of, okay, well, if somebody is allowed to be a specialist and that's part of a position in the sport, all three phases, why wouldn't the best ever at that have an opportunity to get in? CeCe, from your perspective, how much would that change a game? If, like, all of a sudden you're sitting there and, like, there's an opening kick, kick return for or against you for a touchdown, which doesn't happen often, but how much would it change your mindset going into a game like
4: that? Well, you mean like what Devin Hester did in the Super Bowl? Exactly, against the exactly Colts. right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the video we showed on ESPNU. Exactly I right. Mean, absolutely. I mean, it could change the complexion of a game. I mean, that's that's the, the thing that having a player as dynamic as Devin was in the third phase, That that's what it can do. Anytime you have a huge play in a kicking game, whether it's a block kick or a, a return for a touchdown, I, I think it changes the momentum, and that gives both – size of the ball, the offense, and the defense that much more confidence. So, yeah, he, he is a game-breaker in the truest sense of the word, and, and I'm glad he's found a home in Canton. And it's crazy to me because we spent so much of his football career in college at the U, and then, of course, uh, with the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons trying to define what he was. And the reality is he's a good – well, not good. He's a Hall of Fame-level football player. That's all you need to know. And so I'm glad – that he's finally got the hall call. But I will say this, as polarizing as trying to define Devin Hester is, his answer about Mm -hmm. the Chicago Bears quarterback situation is even more so. Like, there are a few things that divide people more than what we're talking about with Justin Fields versus what the Bears should do with the number one overall pick. And it's clear that it's not clear cut when it comes to what people think should happen there. What do you think should happen? I think you have to take Caleb Williams. But there's a case to be made for keeping Justin Fields and utilizing that draft capital in order to continue to build the core of that team. And that's the scary part about where GM Ryan Poles is. I just don't know how you justify the opportunity cost of passing on Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels after you passed on C.J. Stroud the year before.
3: We'll continue that conversation, plus a star player in Dallas is telling the owner what to do. (laughs) We'll get to that next. It's done sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com
1: this is the unsportsmanlike podcast on espn radio Evan canty and michelle are unsportsmanlike
8: You should never go into a game like I'm tired, like I'm ready to go home.
1: That's part of the culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. I played around great players that Michael Parsons is supposed to be that. He needs to go to a leadership school and learn how to lead by example and quit
3: talking so much. Well, we don't need Michael Parsons to quit talking because we have some audio to play from Michael Parsons in just a minute here. But I do want to uh, finish off the conversation that Devin Hester started moments ago with us about the Bears quarterback situation, the idea of keeping Justin Fields because he said Justin Fields with the right offensive coordinator could be like Lamar Jackson and leaning into running versus staying away from running. He said to draft Marvin Harris junior number one overall and then draft an offensive lineman in the top 10. Is there any scenario that that actually makes the Bears better this year than they would be with Caleb Williams?
4: No. <laughs> No, I mean, they have the draft capital to be able to add to this roster. They they have enough draft capital. And here's the thing. The offensive line is not as far off as a lot of people would be made to believe based on the sack totals. There are a lot of those sacks that Justin Fields was running into. So, I mean, I I think that's also a part of this thing. But then when you look at the talent that Caleb Williams has – and him being the most dominant quarterback in college football for the last two years, I just don't see how there's any world where you would pass on his ability, his potential, relative to what we've seen from Justin Fields with the three-year sample size in Chicago. And here's the other thing about Justin Fields that people don't bring up. Justin Fields is about to get a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. The Bears have to make a decision on his fifth-year option this coming year, which also means that you got to talk about contract extensions. And at the quarterback position, When you got to pay guys upwards of $50 million because that's where the market is, I'm just uncomfortable paying Justin Fields that kind of money based on the production and his availability that we've seen through his career so far.
5: Yeah, that's where I was going to go, CC is the money. I don't think it would be wise for the Bears to retain Justin Fields strictly because of that. I know that... Caleb Williams is somebody that we've talked about for years as a guy that's going to come into the NFL and be transformational, but that's not always guaranteed. We've seen that happen time and time again, but that's a risk I'm willing to take, especially if he's going to be in a better cost-controlled situation than Justin Fields would be moving forward, but I do understand where where Devin Hester is coming from. I have a lot of friends in Chicago, and I talk to a lot of Bears fans all the time. There's a lot of people that feel very uncomfortable at the thought of moving on from Justin Fields because you've seen those snippets of how dynamic he can be, and I think there's Bears fans that are worried that they will take Caleb Williams and maybe it doesn't happen overnight with him. It takes a while for him to develop. And you watch Justin Fields go be a star somewhere else.
3: So we have said that we don't think he could get them a first-round pick, right? CeCe, you've said that. You don't think Justin Fields brings back a first-round pick, correct? No. Is there any chance, let's say, Pittsburgh could trade a, a second that could become, in next year's draft, that becomes a first based on playing time, based on snaps, based on some, you know, conditional pick kind of thing? Is that possible? Like, could he potentially So they would trade number? a second. What are you
4: saying? A, a second 20, round 2025
3: second that could become a first based on how much he no. plays. No? no, no,
4: no, 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 no. It's going to have to be a second round pick this year. Although, otherwise, we're talking about first round picks for future years. Yeah.
3: I mean, like, I understand where yeah. Hester is coming from. I just, in today's NFL, if you haven't done it by now, you're probably not going to do it. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but that's the reality. Like, if you have, and it's, I'm not blaming Justin Fields, but the reality is if you haven't done it by now, and Caleb Williams is sitting there. They're going to look at Caleb Williams. I mean, that's, that's the nature of, of the sport that we're in right now.
4: Yeah, I think the C.J. Stroud of it all complicates it, right? Because everybody has seen what he's become. And the Bears had the first overall pick last year, which means they could have taken C.J. Stroud had they kept the pick. Now, the Bryce Young is the quarterback that went number one to the Carolina Panthers, but that's notwithstanding. The, the Bears passed on C.J. Stroud when they traded back to, what was it, the ninth overall pick? And they acquired D.J. Moore in that trade, but it allowed Carolina to move up to the first overall pick. They passed on C.J. Stroud for the promise that was Justin Fields. And this was, in a a roundabout way, a prove-it year for Justin Fields before he starts to become more expensive, before the Chicago Bears have to commit to him in the future financially. And I think that based on what we got from Fields this year, you cannot justify – the opportunity cost, or the actual salary cost for fields moving forward relative to what you would have to pay for Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels, I just don't see a world where that makes sense, knowing that one of these guys could be the next C.J. Stroud. I, I, just, I, I, I don't see how Ryan Poles be, is able to survive that as the general manager of that team, and I know for damn sure Matt Eberflus wouldn't survive that.
3: All right, so the the Bears, certainly a big offseason story. So are the Cowboys. Micah Parsons, their stud defender, was on the Stephen A. Smith show and revealed what he told the owner slash general manager of Dallas, Jerry Jones.
8: So I told Jerry, I said, look at every team that kind of um, was in that Final Four. Who do they have? Okay. Who did Baltimore have a great linebacker core? Right. Uh, who did San Fran have great linebacker core? KC. I said we need to get us another. We need to get another bigger linebacker who's gonna come down and. And I said we need to get an, a super three thirty nasty interior.
4: Okay, so like I understand the first, value first of, of all, he's not, yeah. okay, he's not wrong. He's not wrong in his football assessment, right? But, I mean, you look at the final four teams, the interiors of those defenses pretty good. Chris Jones with the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Matabike, All-Pro with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you look at the Detroit Lions with Alem McNeil, and then you have the San Francisco 49ers with Eric Armstead and Javar Hargrove. Like, he's not wrong in his assessment. But I don't know that it that it behooves Michael Parsons to go out there and tell the world via the Stephen A. Smith show or first take that, that that's what his team needs, and he has a direct line of ownership.
3: But if they improve their linebacking core, as he said, you, you're
4: going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl next year? No. No. Because I I, I don't think the talent is the issue with the Dallas Cowboys. No, it's not. They've they've won, what, 36 games over the last three years? Double-digit win seasons every single year? No. And it's not a talent issue. This roster has plenty of talent. It's a matter of the culture. And when you have locker room leaders like Tank Lawrence coming out and saying, we were too tired, too burnt out, our legs were tired, to, to be ready to play our best once the playoffs got here, I just I don't know how your program, how your team gets off the map off the map without drastic changes after something like that gets said by one of your team leaders.
5: And I don't know how they changed the culture because you're right, CC. I don't think it's a talent issue. Even if they did go out and add more talent, it would help them. But I don't think that that's the answer. Like it it may improve their situation, but I don't think it's the answer to the situation. Yeah.
3: The Dallas Cowboys are an ongoing reality show. And what your goal should be as an organization is to be a a documentary like you want to have the last dance you want to have dynasty you want to have what the Chiefs will have a decade 15 years from now or the Warriors will have you don't want the ongoing reality show seven strangers living in a house together you know real world style which is what they have because Jerry Jones is his thing and Michael Parsons is his thing and Tank Lawrence is what he says about the rest or sorry they're exhausted at the end of the season like they're an ongoing reality show and that culture is ultimately set by the person in charge which is Jerry Jones regardless of who the head coach or quarterback has been it's been the same even when you have culture breakers and I mean that in a good way like bill parcells like who's going to change the culture cc was a part of those teams it still comes back right even all these years later like it's still the same as it was before well the only reason it came
4: back is because you ran off bill exactly like that's why i came that's why i came back like you got rid of the the football czar that was that was putting the culture in place that had your program moving in the right direction and then you you go you go a different way you hire jason garrett to be your offensive coordinator before you hired your head coach and wade phillips surprise, surprise, doesn't work out for the head coach. And, and now we're in a circumstance where Jerry Jones is allowing Mike McCarthy to go into a season as a lame duck head coach, and he's allowing his quarterback right now to go into the season as a lame duck quarterback. If you're Michael Parsons or if you're anybody else in that locker room, why would you respect the leadership or authority of the quarterback or the head coach when you see that players have a direct line to ownership? When, when the owner has press conferences – After the games, the same time the head coach is having a press conference after the game, players are confused as to who to listen to. And when you don't have consistency in the message or the messenger, it's hard to establish a culture that's going to lead to anything substantive. And that's exactly where the Dallas Cowboys are at right now. And I don't see that changing for the foreseeable future unless Jerry Jones changes how he's operated in recent years.
5: And that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. I don't think Jerry Jones is going to all of a sudden wake up and say, maybe I've been talking too much. Maybe I'm part of the problem here. I think he just assumes because everything else in his life has happened by doing it his way that he's going to somehow be able to make this happen his way. That somehow, despite it being a circus and everyone pointing fingers at everybody and the culture not being right, he thinks that they're going to be able to find a way to win. And I don't think it's going to happen.
3: Is there a 1% chance he changes?
4: No, no. He did put Jimmy Johnson in the Ring of Honor finally. No. Jimmy's in. Okay. Jimmy's in. Maybe maybe he changes a little bit more. I don't know. Right. I'm not asking for a full change, right? I'm asking for the
3: 1% chance of him saying, you know what? I'm stopping everything. I'm not doing my thing. Micah, you're not doing your thing this year. We're eliminating the reality show. Because
5: he needs attention like he needs oxygen to breathe. He can't exist without it.
3: So you put it at a less than 1% chance that Jerry Jones could ever change. Negative 25.
4: If he pivots to somebody else, that means that person gets the credit and not him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he won't do Probably it. not going to happen.
3: No. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance.
1: Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.